We're in the book of Matthew, and we're still in chapter 3, examining and exploring the message of John the Baptist. And this evening, the title is called Immersion Program. Have you heard of these two words before? I did a Google check, and I wanted to find out what immersion programs there might be you know, in the market um, in Singapore. I found that MOE, the Ministry of Education, actually has an immersion program and it's to help returning um, citizens back to Singapore to help the children phase in, have a feel of the school life and so that they can better adjust into the system. Now, NTU also has an immersion program. It's called the Global Immersion Program. And this is actually to help students have an exposure to the global market, and you have these exchange uh, agreements or programs with other universities. They go to different uh, countries, they get attachment, and they learn, and they are immersed in the culture as well as the language. Many years ago, as a student getting into the university or you know, from secondary school, um, A-levels, and then the, the university, there was also an immersion program that I heard of, and it was really scary. It's called the Chinese Immersion Program. And you know, if we don't do our second language well, you know, if you get into the university, you have to spend a time in a camp where they speak to you in Chinese. You know, the same thing happens for also an English immersion program. In case you didn't score too well in GP, you know, they want to make sure that your English is good or at least up to a certain standard. And... Uh, they will put you through a language immersion program. You know, we've been looking at John the Baptist, and you might be wondering, why have I titled this immersion program? And as you have already seen or heard, that your objective is really to immerse a certain participant or a person into a certain culture, a system, or a language. Tonight, I'll share with you that the kingdom of God has an immersion program. It is to also expose the people of the kingdom into what the kingdom of God is all about. And John himself, as we have gone through his kingdom message, we have explored the themes of, you know, his, his message is really to get the people of God prepared as well as ready. Then we went to a message called Return, where we looked into this message called Repentance. Always about returning to God aligning with Him and as well as His will and His purposes. Then in the message, Flame On, we explored the picture of fire, of God's wrath, as well as this picture of refinement, as well as separation, because Jesus says that when He comes, He will separate the wheat from the chaff. The last message, we spoke about uh, turning stones to sons, and we look at the themes of who our Father is, what does it mean to have faith in God and how it leads also to fruitfulness? So John the Baptist, he mentions one thing in this verse 11, and that's a key verse for tonight. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is, after, he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, we've already looked at this one line, this one verse, but tonight we will focus more deeply into this phrase, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. 
So if you'll join me, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And so we must have Him here with us. And we're going to ask Him to bring illumination, bring an anointing upon this teaching, so that it will not be something that is intellectual, but it would really stir our hearts and convince us, convict us of our great need for Him. Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you once again for Scripture. Always, Lord, I start with this because you have given us such a privilege to read your Word and to have your Word and that we can hide it within our hearts, Lord. But Lord, we don't want it just to be a printed Word. We want it to come alive by the power of your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, Holy Spirit, please teach us this evening and be with us, Lord, as we explore this more deeply. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's start with some observations. You know, in the book of Matthew, the Holy Spirit is mentioned, but it is unlike the book of John or the book of Luke, where the Spirit is mentioned quite a few times. I did a count, and in the book of Matthew, Holy Spirit is only mentioned five times. Only five verses carry the Holy Spirit. Chapter 1 and verse 18, which we have gone through, and also verse 20, talks about the birth of Jesus, how Mary was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 20, it was Joseph that the angel spoke to. It says, Do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her, i.e. Jesus, is of the Holy Spirit. So these two verses say the same thing. It's repeated. And then in chapter 12, verse 32, there's a reference to the Holy Spirit. This is the... Um, the, the word that's spoken against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him either in this age or in the age to come. So these three verses. Now, the other two verses, which one which we have read in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, the other one is found right at the end, Matthew chapter 28, which is the Great Commission that we're all very familiar with. And both of these verses carry this one reference to baptism. John says, Jesus is coming after him, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Later on, in giving the commission to the disciples, he says, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to explore that second baptism, so to speak, you know, that's mentioned here in another teaching, right? And I think there's a little bit of a difference down there. But we're going to get into chapter 3, verse 11, and talk about what does it mean to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In John's message, the baptism was of repentance and of purification. We've already established that. And so we have seen that the Holy Spirit deals with past sin, which is repentance and restoration. But not only that, it also deals, or He also deals with ongoing sin, which is the refining process in our lives. And when we first came to Jesus Christ by faith, it tells us in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 to 7, that the Holy Spirit regenerates and renews us. And so when we come to the Lord in faith and by His grace, there is a work of the Holy Spirit that takes place in each and every one of us. Amen? But that's not the end. That is only the start. Because if we look at this one word called baptism, the word baptism comes from a verb baptizo. And it really means to immerse or to dye a piece of cloth. Now, how do you do that? You have to soak that piece of cloth at least for some time. 
before that cloth takes on the colour of the dye. Or it can also be translated to saturate. That's what baptise means. And so John was baptising people with water. He was immersing them, getting them all wet, immersing them into water. But he says that Jesus is coming after him and Jesus will immerse you with the Holy Spirit. He will saturate you with the Holy Spirit. And that's why, as I shared with you, when we came to the Lord, that was only the beginning. There was already the work of the Holy Spirit that comes upon us and works within us. But there's something more. I believe Jesus wants to immerse all of us as His kingdom people, immerse us into things of the kingdom, immerse us into things and the ways of the Spirit. And I call the Holy Spirit God's kingdom immersion program. You see that? And there's something special there, and that's what we are going to get into this evening. Don't be satisfied just having that start, that work of the Holy Spirit. It's powerful, it's beautiful, but I believe always that God has given us a beautiful head start and He's moving us towards something. Now, let me give you, by way of illustration from the Bible, to see how important the Holy Spirit is in what we have just termed the Kingdom Immersion Program. Do you know that in John chapter 20, verse 22, the disciples were with Jesus. He has already risen from the dead, and He meets with them. After speaking to them, He breathes on them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. And so this is even before the book of Acts. They have already received the Holy Spirit. And I believe that, you know, some people say the church was birthed out in the book of Acts. And I like my lecturer who actually challenged us to think. If the Holy Spirit was given to the disciples at this point, the church began then. Amen? So He already gave the Holy Spirit to them. And we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, Jesus teaches the kingdom. He spends 40 days talking about things about the kingdom. And then after that, He tells the disciples in verses 4 and 5, He makes reference to this verse that we just read in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. He says, don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You see, Jesus actually quotes this reference from John the Baptist. Now, it must have sounded really exciting what Jesus was teaching about the kingdom, right? Forty days he was going at it, man. And the disciples must have been like, whoa, if this is the kingdom, Lord, when, is it, will you, when will you restore this kingdom to us, right? And so the disciples ask for the kingdom. But instead of telling them about the kingdom, He says, look, it's not for you to know. It's up to the Father. But Jesus stresses the importance of the Holy Spirit. And of course, we have this very famous verse in verse 8, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now we know in the next chapter, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the disciples. And what do the disciples do after that? They go on and they declare the kingdom. Can you see the importance and the pairing down there of the Holy Spirit and the work of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God. 
the Holy Spirit and the importance of having the Holy Spirit, if you and I are kingdom people, then we need the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, the kingdom is all theoretical and intellectual for all of us. Is that amen? So it's not just the Holy Spirit birthing us in that sense or regenerating us. That's only the start. The disciples received the Holy Spirit, but Jesus says, hang on, I'm teaching you about the kingdom. He said, they go, whoa, give me this kingdom. Jesus says, hang on, wait for the Spirit. When the Spirit comes, they go all out declaring the kingdom and doing so many more things. See, this is the kingdom immersion program of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. What is included in this program? See, I want you to get excited about this because I want you to say, you know, if I've been immersed, I want to be immersed some more. If I have not been enrolled in this immersion program, I think I'm missing out on something. And so like a good dean of a school, <laughs> I was, one, <laughs> dean I mean, good or not, I don't know. I will always have to share with you the modules in the program, right? And so I'm going to share with you seven modules of this program, but very quickly, this is like a kingdom immersion program open house. I want to excite you because I want you to say, yes, Lord, I want this. I need this immersion program, okay? What does the Holy Spirit do for us? The first thing is that He constitutes the kingdom community. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 13 says that we were by one Spirit baptized into one body. Now, let's change that word baptized as immersed. So by the Holy Spirit, when we believe, He regenerates us and He doesn't just do that. He immerses us into the body. He pushes us into the body. If you guys have a problem loving the body of Christ, you better read this verse once more. Because you are to be immersed in the body, whether you like it or not. Today we have Christians saying, oh, I love Jesus, but I don't like His body. Cannot lah. You like the head, you must love the body. Yeah? And so the Holy Spirit immerses us into one body. We are being compacted together. We are constituted together as the kingdom community. And when we are formed by the Holy Spirit placed there, you, do you know that each of us, we have different functions? Different functions. You go back to read Ephesians chapter 4. You can read Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 7. Even in this paragraph of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about the body, different parts, but we've got different functions, but we move together. It is given by the Holy Spirit. It's not because of how good or how wonderful we are. All these gifts, they're all given to us by grace. And if it's by grace, then faith has to play a part because as you believe that these promises have been given to me and has been given to you, as you believe it by grace, according to, or shall I say, by faith, according to grace, this promise of the gift becomes certain to you. And when you believe and it's according to grace and you know that this promise is there, you begin to move in this function within the body guided by the Holy Spirit, enabled by Him. Now think about this, you know. The Holy Spirit puts us together as one body, not only that, He actually leads and orchestrates His entire whole body so that we will move beautifully and we can dance powerfully and beautifully for the glory of His name. 
But if we do not have this immersion program, if we do not move by the Holy Spirit, if we are not led by the Holy Spirit, no wonder the body is looking a little bit thingy. Right? Huh? It's looking a little bit odd because, you know, some parts want to move by the Holy Spirit. Some say no need. And we are walking like that. Thankfully, those who are listening to this recording can't see how I'm performing before you. You know, I like to see the Holy Spirit like a spiritual chiropractor, you know? What does a chiropractor do? He uses his hands, he takes hold of a part of your body, and he uh, puts them into alignment. That's what the Holy Spirit does for each and every one of us. If we are led by Him, if we are immersed into His program, and He guides us. So if He aligns me, and He aligns you, and He aligns us, would we be aligned? Would we be a powerful force of the kingdom? Amen? You see, we need this immersion module of this program. And I suggest to you that the body of Jesus Christ may acknowledge the Holy Spirit, but they are not fully giving Him the freedom or allowing Him to do what He needs to do with us. So the first one, the constitution of the kingdom community. The second module is the empowerment for kingdom assignments. We need the Holy Spirit. You know, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was given to certain roles placed upon certain officers so that these people, the kings, the priests, the prophets, the judges, that they could perform and execute and fulfill their assignments. Do you remember this very artistic pair called Bezalel and Ehelel in Exodus? Moses receives the pattern for the tabernacle and God says, look, I have placed my spirit on these two artisans and they are going to be very, very talented and creative because my spirit is upon them and they have an assignment to teach others and lead others to build the tabernacle. The Holy Spirit empowers us for kingdom assignments. In the book of Numbers, chapter 11, 16 to 30, we see that Moses was with the 70 elders, right? And this was after Moses was really crying out to the Lord. He says, Lord, can you, can you just take me home? I mean, being a pastor is tough to these people in the wilderness. They only complain. Okay, you guys don't understand what I mean by that. And God says, I, I tell you what, now you bring the elders, okay? And this is what we're going to do. I'm going to take that the Spirit I've placed upon you, and I'm going to put the same Spirit upon them so they can share the same burden. Those are the exact words. You know? They shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. See, Moses was not the only one to do the assignment. God says, I'll give you 70 others and they will do the assignment for you, but they need the Holy Spirit. Now what happens? The Spirit comes upon them and two guys outside these 70, Eldad and Medad, suddenly they start prophesying, right? And Joshua, being zealous for Moses, says, oh, look at them, you know, we should stop them because they didn't come for the meeting in Kingdom 101. <laughs> and Moses, with his wisdom, looks at Joshua and says this beautiful line, are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all of the Lord's people were prophets. All of the Lord's people. That was his cry. Because I think he knew something. If we were all truly led by the Spirit, we will stop complaining. All that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord will put His Spirit upon them all. That was prophetic. Go back and read this beautiful 
whole account. I noticed one thing. This is a side note. This account was sandwiched between the people. You know what they were, what, what they were complaining about? They were craving for quail. Give me meat. I need meat. I want quail. They were craving for that. And after God pours out the Holy Spirit, what does God do? God gave them quail. Gave them so much quail that while they were eating, they died. Think about that. And one day I was reading this passage. It was like, the Lord asked me, can you see the difference and why I sandwiched this, this story between this asking for meat and dying because they, are satis- they, they, were, they, were, they were satisfied with this meat, but they died in their blessing, so to speak. Is your craving for the material and physical or is it for the spiritual? There are two different cravings here. Can you see? One was physical, one was material, one was earthly. And the other one, Moses was like, Oh Lord, pour out your spirit. That's what we need. We don't need quail. We need the duff. So John the Baptist comes on and we know that he's a transition between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He himself was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Man, I wonder if he was praying in tongues in the womb. When Elizabeth gave birth to him, I beat his backside. He go, that would, that would really surprise any mother right? or any gynecologist. He had to fulfill his assignment as the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He had to have the Holy Spirit. And we are told he moved in the power and the spirit of Elijah. And yet, he knew that although he moved so powerfully in the Spirit, it was not for him to give the Holy Spirit. It was for Jesus who is the one who will be the baptizer, the immerser of the Holy Spirit. But as he straddled Old Testament and to New Testament, now he opens up this wonderful paradigm that everyone who is born again today, we have the Holy Spirit. We can have the Holy Spirit to the fullest. And not only that, like I said, we need to be immersed with the Holy Spirit in His program for us because we need Him to fulfill our kingdom assignments. You know, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples. How many of them were in the upper room? The Bible says about 120, right? But is it interesting that when you read the book of Acts, out of the 120, only 10%, 12 of them, the disciples, they were named. 12 apostles, 11, and they replaced one more, right? 12 were named, and the other 10% were named, but the other 90% was not named, were not named. But all 100% received the Holy Spirit. Is that correct? Can you understand the mathematics? I'm showing you the figures here. You know what's the problem with the church today? We are still waiting for the 10% who are named to do the work. The other 90% now is looking at the, night, the, the 10%. Oh, you are the ones who are named. Oh, oh, you have the title in front of you. Oh, you are more anointed. Oh, you have more of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say that. 120 were there. 10% named, 90% not named. Named or unnamed in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit was given to all. Akipas, I'm going to tell you this. We are almost anonymous. We are, we, we are nameless people, you know, as far as that is concerned. But we are each known by name. But whether we are named or not named, we all have the Holy Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit to fulfill our assignments. 
The third module of the immersion program is that the Holy Spirit helps us with the implementation of what I call kingdom statutes. Sounds very nice, huh? The law, huh? Kingdom statutes is really the law, right? The law is always the statutes, the precepts, the commandments, but nobody likes the word law today. How do we implement? How do we put in place? How do we act out? How do we live out kingdom statutes? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Lord. He is called the Spirit of the Christ, of the Messiah, the King. Friends, we need to have the Spirit of the King to lift the ways of the king. Are you hearing this? Many times we try to emulate someone, imitate someone without catching the spirit of this person. All you have is a show. All you have is a mimic. All you have is a routine. But once you receive or catch the spirit of this person, you begin to live, move, and talk like this person because you understand the spirit of the matter. And that's why today when we are teaching and preaching, we always talk about, you know, don't just talk about the Word of God. You must have the Spirit of God. The Spirit brings the Word alive. The Word is important, but the Spirit is also important. It's not either or, it is both and. Let me give you some examples of you know, how we are being trained by the word of the law to live out the spirit of the law. It's like training a young child, bringing this child towards maturity. Some examples. You know, when you teach a child when they are young, you just tell them, don't do this, this is wrong. Don't do that, that is wrong. Or this is right. So they learn the right and the wrong. Yeah? Now, if you don't, mature from that, you become very legalistic. You become black and white, although you think you're very principled, you begin to use that to judge someone else. And a preacher taught this very well. He says, you know, our problem is that we keep looking at the right and wrong when God is wanting us to understand the difference between life and death. So let me give you an example. If a couple is fighting, and when you are arguing, what's the tendency? I'm right, you're wrong. And the other party will say, no, 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 you're wrong, I'm right. But if we understand the spirit of the law is not so much the right and wrong, it's then looking at the marriage to say, whatever I bring into this marriage, whatever we're doing now, saying now, and speaking to one another, are we bringing life or are we bringing death? And if you are standing on your side, and I'm not standing on my side, if it's going to kill this marriage, then that's not life. It's no longer the spirit of the law. Are you following Keeping the law is not difficult because we just do what we have to do. You, know, you don't have to feel anything, you just do it. But if the law is summed up in this one word called love, now loving others is not quite as straightforward. You see the difference? And so if you tell a young child, someone who's growing up, just do it because we say so, the person will just do it. But if the person only waits for that kind of a command, then the, that child will not grow up to understand the spirit of the instruction. There's one example I can give to you here. It's about, let's talk about tithe. We're still arguing in the church, where is it tithe or no tithe? I'm not going to teach about that tonight, right? But the point is, I can teach you to say that as you grow up, you've got pocket money, give 10% to the Lord. It's a good thing because it came from the Lord anyway. Give it back to the Lord. 
But when a person grows up and understands the Spirit of the Father or the Spirit of God, it's not really the tithe that God is concerned, that much concerned about. What God wants is for our hearts to mature into a heart that is generous. So today we are still calculating, oh, is it gross? Is it after CPF or before CPF? You know, uh, do I declare or do I do that? And, and because I gave here already, do I have to give there? Then we have not grown up. Now we all struggle with this. Come on, let's be honest. And we, 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 we keep accounts with God. Aren't you glad God doesn't keep accounts with us? I mean, if you really want to tithe, man, if you miss one cent from your 10%, do you know you've broken the law? See, the Lord is looking at generosity. The Lord is looking at whether you will rely on Him or not. And that's the maturity of relationship. You see, you need the Holy Spirit to implement the statutes of the kingdom. You need the Holy Spirit to understand the Spirit of the Christ. That's part of the Holy Spirit Immersion Program. The fourth module is what I call Advancement Through Kingdom Culture. In Ephesians chapter 5, 15 to 18, we are told that the, the world runs by a different spirit. Paul tells the church in Ephesus, you please walk circumspectly. Keep your eyes open because the days are evil. And after that, he says, don't be drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? So the whole world is evil. We know that already. No point you going out and point finger at them and say, you evil, you evil, you evil. It's not going to gain you any more points. And I think we have caused ourselves a lot of problems because today all they hear from the church is rejection, anger, and, and they are bad and we are good and we are going to heaven and going to hell. But if we talk about love, have we demonstrated that in the right way, in the spirit of the king? So the culture around the world is it's evil. It is not of the kingdom. But as soon as Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, he describes kingdom behavior after that. The result of someone who is immersed or filled or influenced by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of a king, the behavior is described. He says when you're relating to the world, you know, everybody's complaining, everyone's grumbling, uh, MRT breakdown, you know, wow, you can see Facebook, all the kind of comments. And sadly, Christians are also adding, adding to, the, to, to, to the fray. That's how the world deals with things. But you, as you relate to the world and with the world, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are giving praise to the Lord. You are singing psalms to one another. Isn't that beautiful? Every day is a musical. Your, your behavior, your kingdom behavior changes. In a relationship with the body of Jesus Christ within the church, it says that you will submit to one another out of deference and reverence to the Lord, out of the fear of Jesus Christ. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, we will have less problems in the church. If you're led by the Holy Spirit, we'll have less fights in the church because we are truly submitting to one another. And as you submit to one another, you're not really compromising just to keep the peace. No. You, to submit means to line up under, to align under. Do you know what you're lining up under? What you're lining up under is a greater, higher kingdom purpose and agenda. 
for the sake of the agenda, you're willing to give up ground. You advance the kingdom culture by that. Not by how well you can argue, not by how many doctrines you know, not by how many verses you can memorize, not by how hard you can bash someone with the Bible. Then he goes on, he said, you affect your marital relationships. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. I always joke with my students, I say, you know why the wives are always struggling about submission? You read a few verses before that, it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't matter, ladies, how long or how loud we speak in tongues. If it does not show up in the behavior, then we have to ask, Lord, am I really being led by you? Husbands, in the same way, it doesn't matter what position we serve in the church or how loud we speak in tongues. If we are not loving our wives as Christ loved the church and gave His life for her, then we are not filled by the Holy Spirit. See, when your marriage changes, then your family relationship changes. Children, obey your parents, for this is right in the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. But bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. This is all a result of being led and filled of the Holy Spirit. Your marriage changes. Your family changes. Not only that, your work relationship changes. Slaves, obey your masters. Masters, you know, don't treat them you know, wrongly because remember you too have a master who is in heaven. See, this is kingdom culture. But we need the Holy Spirit, Amen. You don't just learn, okay, I have to be this. I try to be this. I'll be a better person at, at work. You know, I'll be, I love my wife and I'll be nicer to the children. It doesn't last very long. Trust me, I've tried it. We need the Holy Spirit, amen? And then Paul goes on in, in Ephesians chapter 6. Be warned, the kingdom culture is counterculture. You're advancing, you're moving, people will see the difference. But some will understand, some will be attracted to it. Others will oppose you. That's why he says, it's not really the people, you're not fighting against the flesh. They are under and influenced as demonic principalities and powers. And that's your battle against. And that's why you have to pray in the Spirit. Take up the sword, put on the breastplate. Every part of this is of the Holy Spirit. This is the Kingdom Immersion Program, module number four, Advancement Through Kingdom Culture. Module number five, Demonstration of the Kingdom Power. And you shall receive power so that you will be my witnesses. And we know that there will be signs, there will be wonders, there will be miracles. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, certain of these spiritual gifts are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. You can't generate these by yourself. You cannot drum it up. You know, you cannot sing 10 songs and hope that you have more of it. That's not the idea. It's a, a gift of the Spirit given to us by grace. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, languages, interpretation of tongues. This is what sets a kingdom person apart from someone who's just moral. You know what's getting really confusing in our day and age today? All religions are to be treated equal, yes? We have to tolerate one another because generally all religions are good. All religions teach morals. We have morals too. 
But the kingdom is not just about nice people. The kingdom is battling against another kingdom. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to demonstrate it. There are people who are caught in the, in the clutches and the grasp of the kingdom of darkness. And that's where you know, the, the apostles went into power encounters with these. And if you have ministered in different areas where it's really very dark, you understand what I mean. It is a fight in the Spirit. And you and I can't do it without the Holy Spirit. We need Him. And Paul, after talking about all these gifts, because it can be given and taken away from us anytime, because it's a Holy Spirit as He wills. He says, but I show you a more excellent way. Love. Love. Love is patient, love is kind, and so on. And so you can exercise all these gifts, but if you do not have love, then again, Paul the Apostle is saying, then something is missing in your kingdom life. So we have to operate these gifts that they be matched by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The next module is what I call connection to kingdom resources. Do you know that we were once dead, our spirits were dead, and by the Holy Spirit we have been made alive. Now there's a spiritual connection, there's a spiritual connectedness with the Lord who is also spirit. And I love this because we now have direct line to head office. We have direct line to command center. Jesus is my sheep, hear my voice. How? By a spirit made alive. Amen? So if we are not hearing clearly, then we better be immersed even more. Say, Lord, you teach us, you guide us, you, 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 you just bring us into a sensitivity so that we can hear your voice and you can guide us. And that's why Jude talks about is that you, know, you have a prayer language. Paul says the same thing. You know, whoever prays in a tongue you know, edifies himself. It's for yourself. It's a prayer language in the Spirit. Jude says if you do it, you will edify yourself. You'll build up your holy faith. Romans 8.26 says that in times of our weakness, have you felt this before? Sometimes you pray until you don't know what else to pray. You're at a loss for words. That's where... Certain prayer booklets or you know, prayer guides will be helpful. You are, you are, they, they, they give you the words to pray. But there can come a point, and we have this resource, that when we do not know how to pray, the Spirit groans within us, amen? And we begin to cry out to the Lord. This is the connectedness to, to a kingdom resource of, of faith that we need, of peace that we need. We cry out. We worship Him from the depths of our spirit. Jesus says that the time is coming and it's now that the worshippers, that Father is seeking worshippers who will worship Him in, in spirit and in truth. It doesn't necessarily mean that to worship in spirit means you have to, you have to sing in, in a different language. That's not the idea. It's where your spirit is alive and you're, you're, you're just pouring out whatever's inside here. And sometimes you may not have any words to do, but you're just revering Him from the depth of your heart. But that's your real person. You know, when we come into a stage like this and we know how to draw down, you have kingdom resources. You have strength. You find comfort. You receive joy. There's peace. There's encouragement. There can also be provision. God can send also reinforcements 
There can be angelic visitations for some, and I believe manifestations also. Not that we look for these things, but these are given that we can stay faithful to kingdom assignments. See, we read in the next few verses of Jesus that later on He comes to John to be baptized. And as He comes out of the water, the heavens opened for Him. Holy Spirit comes down upon Him. What a beautiful picture. I preached the message once. It's like, you know, and I said, it's like the, the heavens, the spiritual resource opened up and God just pours out everything that our, we need to accomplish the assignments that are given to us. The Holy Spirit Kingdom Immersion Program brings us to a connection to kingdom resources. And I think what's most important, having all these, the last module is really the revelation of the kingdom's king. You know, the kingdom is good news because there is a good king. Amen? I mean, if, if it's just a kingdom, it's just a system and there's no king, it would still be a problem. We have a good king. He's wise, he's loving, he, he leads the people in and he takes the people out, he shepherds them. Not only does He love them, He's tender with them and gentle with them, He's also strong, He's mighty, He's powerful. He provides his, for His people, He protects them, He cares for their well-being. As a king who rules His kingdom, He rules it consistently and justly in righteousness. And because of that, because of Him, because of who He is, there is peace and there is joy. And so when the Holy Spirit understands, and, and, or rather when the Holy Spirit is given to us and we understand this dimension, we are really showing the people around us what it means to be ruled by this King, that we have His Spirit. Remember Paul says that the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. It doesn't mean that you cannot eat and cannot drink. He was really addressing legalism more than anything else. But he says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit. Look at your life. Examine it. Is it a life of righteousness in the Holy Spirit, of peace, and of joy in the Holy Spirit? Do we exemplify the love that we have received from the King and the Father? Do we show a life that is restored? Or are we showing people all the brokenness now, this does not mean that we wayang and bluff people. Huh? We can be authentic to tell them, I'm still on this road of sanctification, of being refined. But in Christ, I've already been restored and it's a beautiful kingdom. Amen? Do we show them the freedom that we have, the provision that has been given to us, the power, the protection, the changed lives of the kingdom that impacts others? That's good news. The revelation of the kingdom's king by the Holy Spirit also shows us what it means to grow in this one big church word called Christ-likeness. And spiritual maturity, you know, it's such a church word. We, we talk about it. But the question is, if we are like Christ, we must reveal the king. You know, Jesus was described in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that he is the express image of the Father. That's why he tells the disciples, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I, I dare not say that. I can't say that, you know. I, I'm struggling with that. But I'm praying that if, if the Holy Spirit would immerse me in His program and teach me and change me, 
I pray that it's not for me to say, but maybe someone will say, if I see this person who's, who is called a follower of Jesus Christ, that's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be like the King. The Holy Spirit will always point to Christ and Christ will always reveal the Father. See, it's the Kingdom Immersion Program. I look at these seven modules as I was preparing. I was like, whoa. <laughs> what, what a program by the Holy Spirit, amen? But today when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it is said, it's unfortunate that because of doctrinal differences, because of certain excesses and certain abuses, many are afraid of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know which background you come from, we're all from different churches and different experiences in this, in this group here, right? But there are certain quarters that may have pushed it to one extreme or the other. And so, to be safe, you know, we, we say, okay, we, we just pat it down to a doctrine, to a teaching, we believe in the Holy Spirit, I believe in the Father, I believe in the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, full stop. And we reduce it into something that's intellectual that we agree and that we recite. But we don't get immersed in the Holy Spirit. We don't get immersed in the kingdom's program. What do we get immersed with? We get immersed with religious practices. We get immersed with religious, re re religious things that we do, rituals. We learn how to talk Christian. We learn how to behave Christian. When in church, this is how you should perform. You know what we are immersed in most of the time? Christian subculture. Subculture. If I raise hands, you raise hands. If I clap, we clap. If I say hallelujah, you say hallelujah. So we're immersed in all that, but we're not immersed in the Holy Spirit. There's no Holy Spirit. And if there's no Holy Spirit, it's their kingdom. I shared with you in the beginning, I, I took trouble to share with you. Jesus says kingdom. Then he says Holy Spirit. Then he says Holy Spirit. And he says kingdom. And the disciples get Holy Spirit and they go out and they preach kingdom. It's Holy Spirit and kingdom, kingdom and Holy Spirit. But if we are not immersed in the Holy Spirit, do we have kingdom? So I ask, do we have pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit? Or do we have pneumophobia? The moment you say Holy Spirit, nobody wants to have anything to do with Him. It's all, we, 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 don't, we, we don't move in, in this way. I'm not here to teach on this in depth. That will take too long. All I'm wanting us to at least come to the same page is, I think there's one statement we can all agree on. We need the Holy Spirit. Friends, we need the Holy Spirit. The body of Christ must have the Spirit of Christ. What is the kingdom of God without the Spirit of God. Do you know that there's one verse in James chapter 2. It's found in verse 26. It's a very interesting verse. James 2, you know, talks about faith and works. That without works, your faith is dead. But in verse 26 of James chapter 2, he says, For as the body without the Spirit is dead, so faith, without works is dead. Did you hear that? Is there a revelation somewhere? 
We are the body of Jesus Christ. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, what are we? We are dead. Maybe that's why Jesus looked at the church in Sardis and says, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. There are a couple of ways to get immersed, friends. I'm sure there are many ways, but I'm just going to share with you two, which I believe are biblical. To get absolutely soaking wet. The first way is, jump into the river. Amen? And so we see this prophecy in Ezekiel chapter 47. We know this. There's a river that flows from beneath the temple. And it begins to flow in Ezekiel. You know, the man brings Ezekiel and the water gets to his ankle, right? And it gets to his knees. And then it gets to his waist. And after that, he, he, you know, it just sweeps him over. I think too many are too cautious. And that's why we tread very carefully and very slowly. Intellectually, it doesn't line up with us. We're not used to the experience. In our tradition does not do that. Our religious immersion did not prepare us for this. Now look at this kid on the picture. I don't see anything holding him back. Of course, the other two could be watching on and say, oh, no, 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 we don't have that doctrine here. We don't jump into the river. How do we reconcile? You know, we say, oh, God is a God of order. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, right? Let everything be done in decency and in order. And that is true. But on one hand, God is a God of order. On the other hand, John chapter 3 tells us that when Jesus talks about someone who is born of the Spirit, He says the Spirit is like the wind that blows where it wishes. You don't know when it's coming, when it's going. You don't say, oh, Spirit, you know, you come 9 o'clock, by 10 o'clock, we've got to stop, we have to have the benediction. How do you reconcile a God of order and a God of, of freedom, amen? And so we don't know what to do. And so we just say, okay, fine, let's just stand on the banks of the river and let's just watch. And the worst thing is as you're watching, man, you're giving commentary. And it doesn't help, friends. Okay, I know, friend, let me be honest, okay, I've done that. I've criticized, I've judged, okay? I, I don't use the word judge, I evaluated. And I still do, but the things that I don't understand, I say, Lord, let me hold it loosely. Can you teach me? Is this of you? All I know is I need the Holy Spirit. I also know that in this day and age, deception is all over the place. I'm not going to embrace everything and anything just because today we talk about the Holy Spirit. I say, Lord, you teach us. But the Lord speaks with you and draws you into the river. Are you ready to jump? And let Him take you for a ride of a lifetime. There's another way. Stand in the rain. Stand in the rain. And we see this outpouring on the day of Pentecost. On that day when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it was really a fulfillment of what we understand, the picture of the latter rain prophecies. In the book of Joel, it was prophesied, it says, Be glad then, you children of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for He has given you the former rain faithfully. Now in the agricultural society, they will understand this. The early rain or the former rain comes in the time of October and November, and that's really to prepare the ground, soften it, so that you can plant and you can put the seeds in. 
But he says, He will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the latter rain is a rain in spring, which happens in the end part of March and the early part of April. And it was on that day of Pentecost, the feast of, of first fruits and harvest, that the Holy Spirit was given an outpouring like the coming of the latter rain. And so it was prophesied after that in verse 28 of chapter 2, Joel. It shall come to pass after the word that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. That was the fulfillment of the latter rain. The latter rain is symbolic of the Holy Spirit coming down and even symbolic of the rain that is needed for the harvest in these final days. Guys, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And I am amazed at the timing of God. You know, when I plan these messages or these meetings, I have no idea which verse or what message will be declared. And I believe God timed tonight's message with a prophetic word for our keepers awakening. And I want you to hear this. And it's symbolic and it's significant because we are, we've just celebrated our very first year. But what I'm convinced about is that this ministry or whatever we're trying to do will go nowhere if we do not have the Holy Spirit. We are saying God has assignments prepared for all of us. Our keepers, if you want to know and to fulfill your assignments, you need the Holy Spirit. As a ministry, we want to awaken the saints. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Our keepers awakening is what I've known from the beginning. It's a kingdom initiative. That's why I preach about the kingdom. I'm going back into the fundamentals of the kingdom. What's a kingdom initiative without the spirit of the kingdom? Amen. See, this is a stark reminder for us as we turn first year. Every our keepers, if you want to know and fulfill your assignment, move them on it. We need the kingdom immersion program. And it's not a one touch where you tell me 30 years ago you were, you, know, you were touched by the Holy Spirit. No, it's a constant dipping and soaking in the Holy Spirit. Ask for it over and over and over again. We need a fresh outpouring for each day and for each season. One year ago, before we birthed our Keeper's Awakening on the 3rd of August, 2014, a couple of weeks before that, I was praying and this was the verse that was given to me. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his, his sheaths with him. And I knew what the Lord was trying to tell me. He says, you will be sowing. And it's going to be hard work. How do I know it's hard work? Because you're going to sow in tears. And there are times where you'll feel lonely. There are times it's going to be difficult. You're going to be tired. You feel like as if, man, no one's with you. 
and you're just going on sowing, sowing, and sowing. But a farmer must work hard if he hopes to have a harvest at the end of the season. And the hard work is in the sowing. And I believe that in this first year, every opportunity that has been given to ourselves in Occupus Awakening, and of course, primarily, I'm the person who is bringing the message out there, we've been sowing, friends. Every week that you are here, I'm sowing. I'm sowing and I'm sowing. And there are days where I cry. There are days where I say, Lord, I can't go on. I'm tired. I don't know if anything is going in. I don't even know who's coming this Wednesday. Thankfully, we had cake just now. <laughs> and I'm not putting this upon you. I'm just saying I'm sowing, amen? That's my job. You will sow in tears. And I said, Lord, if I do this, then you promise that I will reap in joy. A couple of weeks earlier, I was praying and I was spending just a short, quiet time with the Lord. In Isaiah 30, 23, as I was reading the whole passage, if you, if you look at Isaiah 30, you know why I was reading that? Because it says there, in returning and rest shall be your strength. In quietness and trust will be your salvation. And it says, but you would not. And I felt as if I was just burning candles at both ends and just working too hard. Or it was just too tough. It was tiring. And I came to verse 23. It says, as you wait upon the Lord, because the Lord waits to be gracious upon, uh, unto those, unto all of us. So if I would take my time to rest in Him and to draw from Him, He says, then He will give the rain for your seed. With which you sow the ground, the bread of the increase of the earth, it will be fat and plentiful. In that day your cattle will feed in large pastures. The Lord says He will give rain for the seed. Because without rain, there will be no growth. And that's why I'm preaching this so hard this evening. I say, friends, we need the Holy Spirit, the latter rain. If God says He's going to give it, will you be ready to receive it? You know what's the beautiful thing about God speaking to us? His timing is always perfect. And if you journal, you understand what I mean as you look back in your journals. But if you don't, can I encourage you, begin to journal. Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6, those who sow in tears, was given to me on 15th of July, 2014. Isaiah 30, verse 23, He will give the rain for your seed, was given to me on 15th of July, 2015. We birthed out our Keeper's Awakening on the 3rd of August, 2014. A couple of days before we celebrated our very first year. And God is saying, I believe to us, your first year of sowing is done. Keep going on because now the rain is going to come. And the seed that has fallen onto good ground, we're going to see our keepers raised up. And these would in turn bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. On 3rd of August that morning, tired as I was physically, I was awakened by the sound of heavy rain. And do you realize it's been dry season all this while? 
But on that morning, it rained. I'm sorry if you were late for work. The Lord sent the rain for me. The Lord sent the rain for us. Ah, oh, I love that. I'm going to bask in that. We do the sowing. God does the growing. Amen? He will send the rain. That's what He says. And I'm holding on to this. The Holy Spirit is God's kingdom immersion program. And our keepers says, if you want to be raised up and moving on your assignment, man, we need the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to close with this. I want to ask you to be like a little child all over again. Because Jesus says, unless you are like this little ones, right? You cannot enter the kingdom of God. Come in that child likeness. I mean, we parents, oh, don't run in the rain, don't play in the rain. You get cold, you know, you get sick. Tomorrow cannot go to school. You must get MC. This is modern living in Singapore. Ask our forefathers, ask our pioneers when it rained. Man, they had a great time. And friends, I think we need a great time in the Holy Ghost. And I read this the other day in Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1. The Lord says, ask for rain. In the time of the latter rain, ask for it. And so I want you to be bold with me to ask for rain. When we go for our awakening event in Batam, ask for rain. When we come back, ask for rain. When we're into our second year, ask for rain. Because the Lord says, you ask, I will give. He's already promised that. So as I close, can I ask you, how many of you want to enroll for God's kingdom's immersion program? How many of you want to be immersed once again with the Holy Spirit? How many of you need a refresher course in the refreshing of the Holy Spirit? How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about? Man, you need the Holy Spirit. Shall we pray? Hallelujah. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord. And your word is not just a study of the scripture tonight, although that's what we have done. Lord, I just sense there's a prophetic anointing upon this word this evening, a special one. Especially, especially for our keepers awakening. And it's not just me, Lord. It's for every brother and every sister here. And so, Lord, those who say that they want the immersion program all over again, I'm going to be praying for them after this. Those who need to encounter you afresh, Enable them, Lord. Empower them. And so, Lord, whoever is hearing this message or who has heard this message, Holy Spirit, move upon us, Lord. Let it not rest or stop even in just in this room. But Lord, everyone who listens to this recording also, let him and let her be immersed in the Holy Spirit. 
And so we say thank you, Lord, as we close. Giving you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.